We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Now, folks, essentially what John is saying then is that true believers evidence the reality of their conversion by no longer loving the things that pagans love and live for. We stop living as pagans. We stop loving the things that pagans love. Now, we may at times be too attracted to the things of this world, and we do need to repent of falling into worldliness, but we no longer live for those things. We, we no longer live there, nor are we content to be there in the sense that we habitually set our affections upon them. We evidence genuine conversion by loving God the Father, which means that we love the things that He loves, not the things of this world, which are diametrically opposed to Him. The world lives for self. We live for the glory of God. If we love God, we can't keep loving the world. It's like the opposite poles on the battery or oil and water. They just can't mix together. We can still be tempted by the world. We can still have affection and desire for certain things in the world. But we can't say we love God and keep on loving the world like we used to. Back in the Middle Ages, people thought if they could just remove themselves from the world, they could remove the source of temptation. They joined monasteries and convents and took vows of poverty and silence. The problem was that the source of temptation was inside of them, not in the world. The world was the trigger to set off the temptation. As we have already seen, worldliness is a heart problem. Here at Verse by Verse Radio, we really want to help you find out what it means to be a Christian. And then we want to help you live the Christian life the way God intended us to do. This is such an important subject to talk about. The Bible shows us God's plan for avoiding sin in our lives. Don't forget, though, it also helps to be part of a Christian family that provides us with strength, encouragement, and accountability when we face temptation in our lives. We'd love to have you come visit us at Lakeside Community Chapel. The service times and directions are available on our church website, lakesidechapel.com, or call us at 727 441-1714. The church is easy to find, halfway between US-19 and the beaches in Clearwater. You'll hear great preaching, worship, and a loving body of believers, and fellowship with a caring family. Make sure to keep listening to each broadcast, because the teaching builds on what you have already heard. Let's get to today's message, How to Avoid Worldliness with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Here's Pastor Steve. Going back to this whole concept of worldliness and what it exactly is that John is forbidding us to love. Here's how one Bible teacher defined the world that we are commanded not to love. He said, and I quote, the world that we are not to love is the organized system of human civilization that is actively hostile to God and alienated from God. The world God forbids us to love is the fallen world, humanity at enmity with God. A world of arrogant, self-sufficient people 
seeking to exist apart from God and living in opposition to God. It's a world richly deserving of the righteous wrath of a holy God, dead set against the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the world we are forbidden to love. So, I hope that helps you to get a a handle on what John is talking about when he says, do not love the world. Question now is this, why is John addressing this? Why is he even bringing this up in his letter? And the answer is because this is another one of John's tests. He's told us before this that believers love other believers. That's the mark of being a believer. You love the brethren. Then he he went off on a little side note uh, about the various groups in the church, the fathers, the, the spiritual sons, the children, and assured them that they really didn't know the Lord. But now he gets back on to the tests, and that's really what this book is about. It's a series of tests to help us to determine if we're really saved. That's what this is. So listen very closely, because this is important. True believers, while they do struggle with being attracted to the things of this world, and you'll never stop struggling until you're home in glory, We do struggle with being attracted to the things of this world, its values, and what it has to offer. We do not, though, habitually and persistently love the world system that is in rebellion and opposition to God. We may flirt with it at times, but we do not consistently love it. We do not habitually love it. You see, at conversion, we turned our backs on this world. We turned our backs on the kingdom of darkness that we were once a part of. We were saved out of it. And now, we hate it. We hate it. We hate everything it stands for, even though we are at times attracted to it. In our heart of hearts, we hate it. Therefore, we are constantly on guard to resist the allurement of this world. As I said, we may flirt with it on occasion. But we do not have ongoing love for the world that has turned its back on God. That doesn't define us, nor does it characterize us. However, that is not the case with non-Christians. It's, it's very clear. Unbelievers do really love the world with all their hearts. That's their value. They embrace the values, the views, the ideologies, the outlooks, the attitudes of the world. And let me show you this. John chapter 15 John must have thought a lot about this because he he heard Jesus speak on this. He wrote about this a lot. There's a lot of times in the Gospel of John where the word world is used. But John chapter 15, here's what Jesus said in the upper room discourse. He said, 1518, if the world hates you, since the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Now he's talking about the, the world of sinful humanity in rebellion to God. It hates believers. It hated Christ. He said it hated me before it hated you. But notice verse 19, which is key. If you were of the world, if you were like the world, if you were in this kingdom of darkness, once again, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. The world would love you. But because Jesus said you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Because of this, the world hates you. This is a profound statement. The reason the world hates those who believe in Christ is because we're not like them anymore. That's exactly what John is saying. 
That's exactly what Jesus is saying. We're not like them anymore. By coming to Christ, we have rejected the evil system of this world in opposition to God. We've rejected their values. We have rejected their philosophy of life, their ambitions, their goals. We've rejected that. In essence, Jesus is saying, if you were still of the world, the world would continue to love you because the world loves its own and you would reinforce the things that they love. But the world hates you now because you are so different and distinct from them. You don't love what they love. Their pleasures are not your pleasures. Their desires are not your desires. Their ambitions are not yours. Their whole value system, it's not yours anymore. Therefore, they reject you because you have rejected them. Now, that's precisely what John is talking about here in his first letter. Unbelievers love the world and all that it has to offer because that's what they're most comfortable with. That's where their hearts are at. It's a life lived independent of God. Now, they may say they believe in God, but they live independent from Him. Therefore, because unbelievers totally love the world and its values, and believers in Christ hate this world's evil system and its values, the question of whether or not one loves the world then becomes a major test to determine if we are really saved or not. And that's the point of this passage. Now, I do want to be very careful at this point. I want to be careful to recognize that there are some genuine believers who, while they don't really love the world habitually and consistently, they do struggle with worldliness more than than most in the sense that they are easily seduced by this world so that at times they may fall into living like the world and then they need to repent and they do repent. But, What John is saying is if somebody embraces the world and they're not bothered by it, they claim to know Christ, but they're not bothered by it, this is what they love, this is where they want to stay, this is their way of life, this is their consistent, habitual affection, it's the world and everything it stands for. John says there is no way that you're a Christian. There is no way that you're a Christian. There's a difference between someone, a believer who is seduced by the world for a time knows it's wrong, does repent and and gets out of it. But what John is saying is if that's where you're comfortable and it never has dawned on you that this is wrong to live like the world and lust like the world and crave those things of the world, then you're not a believer. Now what he does, here's the structure of the passage. John gives us this command in verse 15. It is a command. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. But he doesn't stop there. He could have, but he doesn't. John then proceeds to give some substance to this command by giving us three reasons for not loving the world. And so having looked already at the command of verse 15, I want us to consider just the first reason for not loving the world. The first reason that John tells us we should not and must not love the world is because, number one, love for the world and love for the Father are incompatible. Totally incompatible. You can't have both in one life. Verse 15 goes on to say this, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's talking about habitually 
loving the world, not flirting, not having a little affair, but a habitual, consistent, ongoing love for the world. John says, then the love of the Father, and I take it what John means here is our love for the Father, that's what fits the context, is not in him. Now, what John then is saying by these words is that the person who loves the world continuously, without any remorse or any conviction that this is wrong or any desire to change, that person is not saved because that person does not love God the Father. They do not evidence that God has worked in their lives and saved them and given them a love for himself. In other words, love for the world and love for God cannot exist in the same heart at the same time. John says it is impossible. Impossible. Now, as we've already noted, this doesn't mean, I want to be clear about this, this doesn't mean at times that we're not tempted to love the things of this world. We are tempted. We're tempted a lot. And we find ourselves at times embracing some worldly things that are wrong. That is an ongoing, real temptation. It'll be with us until we are in the Lord's presence. The world is very, very seductive, and you can't get away from it. So we have to guard our hearts all the time from the cravings and the pursuits of those things that dishonor the Lord. However, when a person is converted to Christ, he becomes one who loves God. He went from hating him to loving him. Therefore, his love for God Note this, drives out his love for the world. Drives out his love for the world. Because, watch this, his new heart now has new affections. Godly affections. All the things that he used to love, which essentially were the things that made him feel good about himself and stroked his sinful pride, no longer have the same attraction to him. Here's how Bible teacher and pastor Steve Lawson put it. He said, either love for God will drive out love for the world or love for the world will displace love for God. The two cannot reside within the same heart. A world-loving Christian is a contradiction. It's an oxymoron. One may say he knows Christ, but if he continues to love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Not at all. Now, folks, that's exactly what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. If you look there, you'll see this is the same principle, the same thought. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You see, conversion to Christ essentially means that you've changed masters. You've changed masters. Before coming to Christ, we were slaves to another master. We were slaves to ourselves and slaves to the ways of this world, and those lines were often blurred. We did whatever gave us pleasure, whatever gave us satisfaction, which John defines in verse 16 as the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. But when we came to Jesus Christ, He became our Master. Praise God. Therefore, we not only began to love God, but we began to fall in love with those things that God loves. 
righteousness, purity, integrity, virtue, living as selfless servants, and on and on it goes. The things that were dear to the heart of God became dear to us, especially holiness. Now, folks, essentially what John is saying then is that true believers evidence the reality of their conversion by no longer loving the things that pagans love and live for. We stop living as pagans. We stop loving the things that pagans love. Now, we may at times be too attracted to the things of this world, and we do need to repent of falling into worldliness, but we no longer live for those things. We, we no longer live there, nor are we content to be there in the sense that we habitually set our affections upon them. We evidence genuine conversion by loving God the Father, which means that we love the things that He loves, not the things of this world, which are diametrically opposed to Him. The world lives for self. We live for the glory of God. So, question is, where do you stand? Where do you stand? Do you love the world or do you love the Father? If you love the world and that's what you've been living for, this quest of pleasure and pride, and, and you don't really care about changing, then you've really never been converted. You don't have a new heart. The love of God does not abide in you. You need to still be saved. And that's John's point. That's his point. If you say that you love the Father, but you still love the things of this world with no remorse and no concern to repent, then you're not telling the truth. But if you hate this world system, even though, and it's a paradox, you're attracted to it as well because of our flesh. But if you hate this world system and your desire is to never fall for its allurement again, even though you may fall for it, but your desire is never to fall for it, and the things that you now have affection for are those things that honor Christ, then you've passed the test. You are a believer. No unbeliever loves the things of God. No unbeliever hates the things of this world. Then you evidence true salvation, and that's the whole, the whole point of this book. You can know that you know Him if you do not love the world. Now, if you're a believer, you're a believer, you're struggling with resisting the world. The things that I read before from Mahaney really, really hit home and you know that at times you've crossed the line, then you need to turn your eyes upon Jesus Christ and His love for you. You see, the key to overcoming the world's attractiveness is not simply to fight worldliness, although we do need to fight it. We do need to constantly resist it, but that's, that's not the only thing we do. We need to remind ourselves of what Christ has done for us in dying for our sins. We resist worldliness by reminding ourselves of God's love for us in Christ and His amazing grace in forgiving us of all of our sins. When that grips your heart, then the things of this world begin to lose their attraction. When you begin to see that Jesus on the cross died for the very things that the world loves and the things we used to love without shame, when you see those things as God sees them, in the words of Paul, they are nothing but rubbish, trash, and dung, then they begin to lose their attraction. See, the cross reminds us of the things we once loved and lived for. Fleshly cravings, 
sinful pleasures, the exaltation of self. Christ hates those things. He died for all of that. All of that stuff. Those are the very things that caused us to be headed for hell. But Christ has rescued us by paying the penalty for those sins. Puritan writer John Owen once said this, When someone sets his affections upon the cross and the love of Christ, he crucifies the world as a dead and undesirable thing. The baits of sin lose their attractions and disappear. Fill your affections with the cross of Christ and you will find no room for sin. One way that we remind ourselves of the cross and we set our affections upon the cross is by participating in the Lord's Supper. Because the Lord's Supper reminds us of our Savior's love and His grace. And by looking upon Him, the things of this world do lose their attraction. Not only do they lose their attraction, but the cross reminds us that we have died to the things of this world. That is precisely what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Listen to Paul. He said, May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul looked at the world as crucified. And that's why it didn't hold the attraction for him that it says for many of us. He was crucified to the world. The world was crucified to him. He saw the world for what it really was, the wicked, sinful cravings of an evil heart and those things for which Christ died. There is a great hymn. You don't need to turn there. It's just a little stanza. I'll not sing it to you, but I'll, I'll tell you it. It's uh, hymn 335. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. May I urge you tonight to look upon Christ. Look upon him. Look upon the cross, look upon His love, His grace, and the things of this world, the things that we battle with, that we do tend to be seduced by, those things will lose their attraction. Let's bow for prayer. Let's spend a few minutes before the Lord confessing any sins we need to confess. You may have crossed the line. You may have somewhat had an affair with the world, flirted with the world, and you hate it. Don't just resist it by trying in your own discipline to resist the world. Turn your eyes upon Jesus Christ tonight. Confess any sin that you need to confess, but resist the world by focusing on Him. What the cross means. How do we love those things for which our Lord died? those things that put him on the cross. How dare we embrace that trashy stuff? Jesus wants to take us away from the world system, which is totally opposed to his kingdom. Our flesh is still drawn to the world, and we fight the desire to return to the things of the world. The crucial issue that Pastor Steve has been bringing out is whether we have come to love God and hate the world. The true believer can't love the world and the unbeliever can't hate the world. This is not a question of willpower. It is a question of relationship. Knowing Jesus is the key to not loving the world. 
understanding what Jesus has done to give us life draws us away from the world and toward Him. Isn't it great to be able to hear the Word of God and sense its impact on our lives? Verse by Verse Radio exists to bring you the clear teaching of the truth of God's Word. Our desire is to spread the truth of the Gospel to the whole world. We need your help to be able to do that. We are supported by our listeners and our partners. If God lays it on your heart to give a gift to this ministry, we want to help you to do that. You can give by going on our website and giving online. The website address is versebyverseradio.org. The mailing address is Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. You can call us at 727-239-0306. We'd really like to hear from you. Our website has a lot of very helpful resources for you to take advantage of. You can sign up for our quarterly newsletter. You can download any of the messages for free that are in the archives. And, if you want to, you can order an entire series of messages on CD. Just give us a call. It's been great sharing this time around the Word of God with you today. Don't miss the next message in this series. For Pastor Steve and everybody involved with Verse by Verse, this is Jerry Pruden saying thanks for listening. Tune in next time on Verse by Verse. Verse by Verse.